You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Listen, we're talking about bringing heaven to earth. And so turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28 or go with me there. I'm going to read it off the screen. And the, the last lesson in that series that I'm going to talk about is that you have to be a doer of the word. You have to be a doer of the word to walk in the goodness and blessings of God. And so he says in Deuteronomy 28, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Verse two. And all these blessings, everybody say all. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. I know we've talked about that many times before, but man, it's worth mentioning that if we want heaven to move on earth, we have to be obedient to the word. He says it over and over again. If you carefully, diligently observe to do the word, it's not enough just to hear it. You have, to, you have to take what God's teaching you, what he's, what he's saying to you, and apply it to your life. And I'm going to talk about how vital that is in just a moment. But before that, I'm going to read Psalms 106, verse 3. Psalms 106, verse 3 says something about uh, people who do the word um, and how they are so overwhelmingly happy. And we know the word blessed means happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. And so it says... In Psalms 106, verse 3, the happiest one on earth is the one who keeps your word. That word keeps being does or do the word and clings to, to righteousness every moment. And so uh, those who act and do the word are the happiest people on earth. And we know that just statistically, whether it was a psychological uh, evaluation or a sociological uh, uh, study, that it is proven that people who go to church and serve God and act on the word have better outcomes with uh, physical issues. They have better marriages. They have happier children. They, they make more money, about 10000 or more a year. They, they, I mean, there's all these stats that are out there that aren't Christian stats. They're, they're stats that the world is looking at, and they know it's true. Those who, who not just hear but do the word are happier than those who don't. I can testify to it. I was an unhappy person until I met Jesus. And when I started operating the word, he began to change and transform even my personality. And man, it feels good to be happy instead of mad all the time. And for some of you, it feels good to be happy instead of sad all the time. I was mad. Some people are mad. Some people are sad. You know, some people are indifferent. And and God changes all that in your life. And he impacts that if you'll allow him. But it all stems from not just being a hearer, but being a doer of the word. You have to act on the word. And he says he'll bless you. In John chapter 13, Jesus, Jesus says this. In John chapter 13, verse 17, he makes it really clear. He says, so now put into practice or do what I have, I have done for you. And you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. He said, man, if you'll take what I've taught you and you'll put it into practice in your life, you'll be a doer of the word. He said, man, you're going to be happier and I'm going to, I'm going to open up the door to untold blessings to your life. 
if you are here in a doer of the word. I know from personal experience, when you consistently begin to do the word in any area of your life, it will, ch- it will transform that area. Whether it's marriage, when Julie and I started doing the word in marriage, man, it transformed our marriage. When we both started, when we, when we, uh, we started becoming better stewards, we'd always been tithers. When we began better stewards of our finances, God started to multiply. He said this, this is his principle, faithful with the little ruler over much. And so he always expects us to do what he's told us to do. And when you act on that, then he's a promoter. Let me say this again. God is a promoter. He likes promoting people. He likes lifting us up. He does. He likes lifting us up. But it's contingent upon us being not just hearers, but doers of the word. You have to act on the word. You have to act on the word. And he'll begin to promote you when you're faithful with the little. And this is the thing that when I was a young Christian, I would go to my pastor. I'd say, man, uh, what's next? What do I do next? And he'd say, well, Troy, have you done the last thing God told you to do? And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, well, kind of. Because he would know something. He'd go, man, I know he told you to do this, and you haven't done that, but you want to go to the next thing. And I was just like a lot of people. I wanted the promotion before the faithfulness. Before I was faithful to do the little, I wanted the promotion to the big. And God said, I don't operate like that. I only promote those to the big if you're faithful with the little. And so he would always come back and say, what was the last thing God told you to do? I'd say, well, God told me to, you know, be an usher. And he'd say, well, then have you done that? No, I haven't signed up yet, but I've been thinking about it. Let me say this. I learned a long time ago, thinking about it, even planning it is not the same as doing it. Have you ever thought about something and even planned it but didn't do it? (laughs) Probably all of us have done that. A lot of us have not even planned it. We just thought about it. Listen, God will not promote until you do what he told you to do. The last thing he told you to do. And I don't know how many times people have said, God, what's next? What's next? What's next? And he said, nah, we're not going to what's next. What's next until you do what's right here. Well, what's that? Well, maybe he's talking to you about how you treat your husband or how you treat your wife. Maybe he's talking about a habit you need to develop or a habit you need to quit. And and everybody wants the next. What's the next thing? What's the promotion? What's the blessing? Listen, none of that's going to come until you do what he's told you to do. You know, one of the last things he's, you know, I, I have these conversations with God all the time, but the last thing he told me personally, he's talking to me about other things, last thing he told me personally to do, he said, I want you to pray and, and I want you to read your word and pray in tongues in the spirit for an hour every day. And I've been doing that seven days a week ever since. It's been months since he told me that. And you know what? I'm just going to keep on doing that until he tells me the next thing he wants me to do. But I know this, he's he's waiting to see if I'm going to be consistent. God always proves you out. And those, he talks about the consistently righteous. Those that are consistently righteous will receive the blessings of God. You have to be, you don't have to be perfect, but you can be consistent. And so you got to do the next, the, ne- the, the thing he's told you to do. And, and I know uh, this, I've been on this uh, in first service. I know this. God's speaking into marriage right now. He's speaking into marriages in these services, particularly about this issue. So often we know as a wife or a husband what to do, and we don't do it. We know we need to apologize more. 
We know we need to, to not be so angry or be, not be so sad. We know we need to make these changes. We know we need to treat them better. We know we need to be more teachable. We know we need to be more humble. We know we need to be kinder. We know we need to be more forgiving. We know those things. And I, I want to say this to you. If you want your family, your, your marriage, your kids to be promoted, then you have to act on the word. You have to act on what God spoke to you to do. And when you do what he told you to do, he said, if you'll diligently, carefully follow what I tell you to do, he said, oh my goodness. He said, I'll open up blessings. Jesus just said, untold blessings. And you'll be happier in life. You'll be much happier in life when you begin to hear and do what God told you to do. I know wheels were turning in first service. I know wheels are turning right now. What was the last thing he told you? Maybe he told you to have a better attitude at work. Maybe he told you, quit complaining, quit griping. Maybe he's told you not only to quit complaining and griping, maybe he's told you to start being thankful for what you do have. Maybe he's told you to change your, the, what you focus on and focus on Jesus and not on all your problems. Focus on the one who can solve your problems. Maybe he's told you to, to change a friendship, that this friendship's not good for you. Maybe he's told you to... Uh, to uh, change jobs. Maybe he's spoken to you in these areas and you've been too scared to step out in faith and trust what God's speaking into your life. Don't be scared of doing what God has asked you to do. And let me tell you something. He'll never say something to you that doesn't line up with his word. He'll always give you two scriptures. How do I know that? Because I used to ask him all the time. The Bible says by two or three witnesses establish a thing. When, God, when I heard that scripture, every time I think I hear the voice of God, I said, I need two scriptures. At least two, maybe three. I need, I need the word. I want the word on it because I, I don't want to mishear anything. And I know that God always does what he says he's going to do in the word. In the word. And so he'll always confirm what he's asking you to do in the word. You know, I always say marriage is simple. Just do Ephesians uh, chapter 5. What does Ephesians chapter 5 say? Uh, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Lay down your life for her as, as uh, he laid down his life for the church. And man, all the women said, amen. But then it says, wives, submit to your husbands in everything. Not every once in a while when you feel like it. And he, said, he goes on to explain that and says it's a respect issue. He said, I want you to respect your husbands. I'm going to tell you, the number one need of a man is respect. Is respect. Number one need of a woman is security. And when we lay down our lives for our wives, as Christ did for the church, they feel secure. And when a woman respects her husband, he doesn't need to go looking for respect from somebody else. Or something else. From his job, a title, money, position, or someone else. Someone say amen. Listen, God, God wants us to be doers of the word. And when you're a doer of the word, you'll get the blessings of God. You can't just know it. You've got to act on it and do it. Uh, and let me tell you how important it is. It's more important than even a happy marriage. It's more important than, than kids that love God and are going to serve God. It's more important than your future, your destiny, your finances. It's more important than anything else in the entire life is that you be a doer of the word. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, Starting in verse 21, Jesus begins to talk about 
the last judgment in the end times. And he says, in verse 21 of Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the realm of, of heaven's kingdom. It is only. Everybody say only. It is only those who persist in doing the will of my heavenly Father. He said only those who persist, who consistently do the will of my Father will go to heaven. Only. Only those who are doers of the word. Only those who do the word. Only those who do the word. Not those who think about doing it. Not those who plan on doing it. Not those who have memorized the Bible from back to front. Only those who do the word. Jesus consistently rebuked the Pharisees as hypocrites because they would tell people that they're supposed to do this, this, and this, but they would not go out and do it themselves. How often have, I remember, I remember uh, my father telling me not to drink and smoke while he had a, a Schlitz beer and a cigarette in his hand. And he was serious. And he, would, he would know, he'd be like, I, I know I do it, but don't you do this. Well, I didn't do what he said. I did what he did. How often have you said or expected something from somebody else? You expect kindness. Do you show, do you show kindness? You expect everybody else to be polite and considerate of you. Are you polite and considerate of others? Are you a doer of that word? Jesus rebuked the hypocrites. He said, you put burdens on people that you don't carry yourself. Listen, it's hypocritical to call yourself a Christian and not be a doer of the word. And again, he doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he does expect us to be consistent because with the help of the Holy Spirit and his word, we're more than capable of being consistent. More than capable of being consistent. Man, is it hot outside? Because everybody's just kind of like melting in their season. Well, listen to this carefully. He said, it is only those who persist in doing the will of my heavenly Father. On the day of judgment, many, that word means most. It means most. It means most people. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, don't you remember us? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons and do many miracles for the sake of your name? But I will say to them, go away from me, you lawless rebels. I've never been joined to you or I never knew you. I was never the Lord of your life because you talked a big game and you acted like you were doing things for me, but your hearts weren't right and you were not obedient to the word. You wanted to do the showy things and prophesy and cast out demons and claim to do miracles, but you didn't do the everyday things of just being good to people, taking care of your wife, taking care of your husband, taking care of your kids, taking care of your job, just the day-to-day -day stuff of obeying God. They, you notice they named all the, the flashy stuff, the big, the stuff they thought they did for the Lord. That was a game. That was a game they were playing. They were what God called the Pharisees. They were whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. Otherwise, on the outside, they looked a certain way, but on the inside, they were the exact opposite. God wants us to be not only doers of the word and acting on it, but he wants our hearts to be right about it. He wants, to do, he wants us to do it not out of some act of religion. He wants us to do it out of an act of relationship with him and relationship with other people. He wants me to, to treat my wife with love and respect because I love him, he loves me, and that's what the word says to do, and because I love my wife, because I care about her. He wants us to act on these things because we have a relationship with him. 
And if you noticed in the scripture before, uh, in uh, Psalms 106.3, he said, those who not only do the word, but keep uh, that keep right with God. They're not unrighteous, they're righteous. The word righteous means to be right with God, to keep that relationship right. The word unrighteous means that we don't care about the relationship. So he always comes to the heart of it. You do it out of relationship, not religion. You know, a lot of people, like I said, they want to do the big things. They don't want to do the little things. I don't know how many people I've had come and tell me stuff like, uh, man, I believe I'm called to preach next Sunday. I don't even know them. I, you, you'd be shocked how many times that has happened. I'll meet them for the first time. I'll say, yeah, you know what? I, I think uh, God told me to share my testimony next Sunday at your church. I'm like, well, he didn't tell me. And I'll talk to this person for a little while, and I'll, I'll get real quickly that their personal life is a wreck. But they want to be up here. They want to be in the limelight. That's what these people are like. They want to be in front. They want to be in the limelight. But they don't want to do the things that you do every day to obey and honor God. Guys, it's in the day-to-day things that we do. How we treat our families. How we treat each other. How we treat people around us. And again, we're not going to be perfect. God doesn't expect perfection. I say that all the time because I think some people think, well, those Christians are perfect and that person's perfect. No, no one's perfect. Amen? But we can be consistently doing what's right. Consistently. Now, I don't know about some of the couples in this room, but, you know, Julie and I, we'd get along so well during the week um, and I used a colloquial, colloquialism, colloquial, colloquialism, if I can speak that, say that. And I said, we're happier than two ticks on a hound dog. Now, that's, a, that's an old southern country saying. But we, we are very happy. But, and we'd be happy all week long, Monday through Saturday. Then come Sunday morning, we'd end up in a fight. Some of you had a fight coming in here. Just driving over here. And so we're, I'm like, I can't do this because during praise and worship, when she sh- shows up for second service, I'd be like, baby, I'm sorry. Because I just can't get up here and fake it. I'm not a fake. This got to come from here. <laughs> so I can't, I can't fake it. So I'm like, baby, I'm sorry. I know I didn't do it wrong because I'm right most of the time, but I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I, I don't say that because I'm probably wrong most of the time. But I'll say I'm sorry and she'll say I'm sorry too. Because I can't, she knows, I can't get up here and have that hanging over my head. I've got to have peace in my home. I've got to have peace in my life to get up here and minister. And so, uh, man, so we decided we were going to do the word. The Bible says be slow to speak and slow to anger. Uh, We took that slow to speak to an extreme. We said we just won't talk to each other on Sunday morning till after church. (laughs) That works. Just don't talk. You don't fight if you don't talk. Well, if you just, you can't give a look, Jaime. You can't like even, you gotta, you just gotta kind of just keep them at a distance. But, but we just didn't talk. We just didn't talk for the longest time. We just didn't talk to each other. And that, that's worked out great. And then slowly but surely, we got to a place where we could just, you know, I love you, I'll see you a little bit, just little things. But we don't try to get in any kind of conversation Sunday morning. And it works. I said, the word works. Slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to forgive. Amen? 
So, man, no matter what she does or says, I'm just like, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. I'm getting out of here. Let me run. I'm running. But, you know, you just start doing the word, and that solved the problem. It solves the problem when you do the word. I said it solves the problem when you do the word. And now I don't have to, you know, can't wait for her to get to church so I can apologize to her. Or I text her before first service. I'm like, hey, baby, I'm about to go up. I, I got I to gotta tell I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. Sorry. A couple, you know, heart emojis with the eyes, you know. I love you. I love you. You know, I don't, we don't have to do that. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing to have that peace and not open up the door for the enemy to cause us to fight before we come to church. That just changed somebody's paradigm, somebody's thinking right there. Sometimes you just got to just choose. I'm going to be slow. I'm going to be slow to say anything. I'm going to be slow to anger. I'm going to be quick to forgive, and that will bring peace. God's word always brings peace and blessings when you do it. When you do it, it brings peace and blessings. He says this in verse 24, everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the flood came with fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. When you, when you become a hearer and a doer of the word, you build a strong foundation that when trouble comes into your life, you're still standing you're still standing. Jesus said there will be trouble. There will be issues in this life. But because you've, you've practiced, we know that term practice makes perfect. You have practiced being a doer of the word. When storms come, you just, because you practiced it, that's where you go. You just do the word in the storm. In the storm, you just keep doing the word. You need comfort. You need your tears dry. You go to God. You, you know to go to God. You know to do the word. What do I do? I do the next right thing in trouble. You know to do the word. It, it, it builds a foundation in your life that, that you will get through the storms of life because you're practicing doing the word. God promises you and me protection from those storms if we'll be doers of the word. Everyone, I don't know if anybody wouldn't want heaven to operate on earth, but there's some prerequisites. There's some things we have to do in order to get God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's be a doer of the word and be consistent at it. Then he says this, but everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built this house on sand when it rained and rained and the flood came with wind and waves beating upon his house. It collapsed and was swept away. It collapsed and was swept away. You know, when, you, when you're not practicing doing the word, when the test comes, when the trial comes, you collapse, people collapse. I've seen it time and time again. It's kind of like studying for a test. When you've prepared and you know you've studied and you studied all week and you went to all the classes and you wrote, took notes and you studied, the test comes, man, you walk in confident. But you can always tell the ones that didn't. They got their book out. They're looking all the way up to the last second, man. They're like, they're studying to the last second. I mean, they look nervous. I've been that guy many times. Stayed up two nights in a row studying because I didn't take care of my business. Do you know who made better grades? Not me, but the person that studied all the way through and that was prepared for the test. 
That's how you prepare for the tests of life in the, in the peaceful times, in the regular times. We don't just grind it out. We, we have our heart attached to it. We do the word with heart. We don't just do it out of religion or ritual or tradition. We do it with heart. We come to church with heart, ready to listen, ready to hear, ready to be taught. You prepare your heart to receive. When I spend time with God, I prepare my heart, man. I'm like, God, I'm preparing my heart right now. I'm good soil. Sow your word into it. I'm good soil. And your word will produce 30, 60, and 100-fold return in my life. You fed me my food today, and you're going to feed me my spiritual food. And I'm going to be full and overflowing with your word. I'm prepared. I'm ready. God, I'm in this. I'm focused. Let's go. Give me revelation knowledge of who you are so I can know who I am in Jesus' name. That's really how I prepare to even start reading the word. I prepare my heart with that prayer, and I'm folk. I'm like, teach me, Lord, teach. And when my mind starts to drift, I pull it back. Like, come back here. We're gonna learn. We're gonna be focused, and we're gonna be teachable, and we're gonna get this word in our hearts, so that in my heart, so I can do it and act on it and see God move on earth the way He wants to from heaven. That's how you prepare your heart to come to church. You prepare. You're like, okay, I've dropped the kids off. I'm put yesterday's gone. I'm not going to be concerned about Monday or what I'm doing for lunch or anything else. Man, God, teach me. Show me. I want more of you, Father. And then you, when you hear it, you walk out of here and go, I'm sorry, honey. We shouldn't have fought this morning on the way to church. We'll just stop talking to each other for a while on Sunday morning. And you just begin to apply the word. And apply the word. And apply the word. God said there's great blessings and great things that come from that. I don't know about all of you, but I want to I wanna walk in God's blessings. I want to walk in them so I can share them. It's not just a selfish thing. Not It would be years ago before I knew Jesus. And before he started to mature me and change my motives. It would have been selfish, but as you mature and grow and you practice being a doer of the word, your motives, it begins to purify your heart, and you get your heart right. You know, you get your heart right. And even if you start to do something with the wrong motive, you check it and go, no, nope, I'm not going to do it for that reason. I'm going to do it because I'm, God told me to do it. God told me to be a doer of the word. He told me to help people. He told me to be good to people, and so I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it with the right motive. I don't want anything from them. I, God, you'll repay me. So I'm going to say amen. I don't need anything from them. Well, they didn't thank you. Well, they should have, but that's okay. God will thank you if you'll do it with the right heart. Listen, go with me to James. This will be the last thing we look at today. James chapter 1, and he talks about being a doer of the word again because it's vital. It's vital to going to heaven. If you don't do the will of the Father, you will not go to heaven. That's it, period. If you're not a doer of the word. Um, and so... He says in James, or yeah, James chapter 1, verse 22, Jesus starts start talking about, or James, through the word, begins to talk about being a doer. He said, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. That's the passion version. It, what, it, what it says is don't just be a hearer, but a doer of the word. Don't just let it be something you read like poetry, but let it be something that fills you up where you act on it, where you act on the word. 
Then he says this, if you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. You forget who you are in Christ. You forget who you are. So number one, the number one way, this is number one, that you become a Doer of the word is you first got to hear the word and get in agreement with it. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they first agree? What it means by walking is means how can you do something together unless you're in agreement to do it? And first you have to get in agreement. This is the B-I-B-L-E. It's the only book. It's the, it's the only book that is God-breathed. 2 Timothy says, God breathed his Holy Spirit into this word. you got to first agree, this is the Bible. This is the word of God. It's infallible. It's the absolute truth, and it's the only truth. There isn't five other truths or isn't ten other books. There's this book and this book alone. You have to get in agreement that this is the word of God. You have to get in agreement with God. This is your word. I believe it's the word of God. I believe it's directly from you, God. I believe you breathe through these men that wrote it. The Holy Spirit. Your spirit is in this book. It teaches me all truth. It guides me to who you are and to who I am. I believe that this is your word. And I'm in agreement that this is your word. And I'm in agreement that you want me to do it. And that's number two. Once you are in agreement that this is the word of God and you hear it and you read it, then you just got to do it. You got to act on it and act on it quickly. Act on it quickly. A lot of times we put things off and man, if we put it off, we'll forget. Anybody ever forget to God dealt with you to pray for somebody or do something? Uh, and then you, you thought, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text them or check on them or pray for them. And then you just kind of get distracted. And then two or three days later, their name comes up and something went wrong or something happened. You're like, oh, God told me three days ago to pray for them. I don't know about you. That's happened to me. So I pray immediately. Immediately. Someone asked me today to pray for a young man named Chad. And I, I, man, as soon as he asked me, I said, let's pray right now for Chad. Chad, we prayed for you. Matthew Barnett, who came and spoke a couple Sundays ago, had a stroke the other day, yesterday. And it's the second one he's had. He's doing good. God's, God's healing his body. He's texted me back. But, man, I, as soon as I found out, I prayed for him. There's a man in this church, he texts me all the time, says, pray for, pray for this, pray for my, my uh, nephew Cody or pray for this person in my family. I immediately pray. As soon as I agree to that in my heart, I, I stop whatever I'm doing and I pray right then. Why? Because I don't want to forget. I want to be a diligent, prompt to do it person when God deals with my heart to do something. I want to do it right then. And, and again, I'm not perfect at that, but man, I have, I have made decisions in my life that I'm going to pray right then. I got a call from someone yesterday that said, man, their wife's having some physical issues. I prayed. Julie and I prayed right then. My family, we prayed right then. Man, you want to be on it. You want, to, you want God to trust you. He wants to promote you. Faithful with the little, ruler over much. He wants to promote you. So you got to be faithful to act on what you know. If you need to apologize to your wife or husband when you walk out of here, do it quickly. You need to forgive your spouse, do it quickly. Forgive quickly. 
For the same measure you, you sow is the same measure you'll receive. I like God to forgive me quick. So guess what? I forgive others quick. Ask my family. I get over it quick, man. I'm over it. I'm gone. I'm moving on. Why? Because I want God to be over it, moving on, and forgive me. He says he'll forgive me quickly if I forgive quickly. I'm going to be quick to forgive. Someone say amen. Man, be quick to say I forgive him. Be quick to move on. Be quick to do that. Be quick to obey. God says, go, hey, go help this person. Don't hesitate. Call them up. Say, hey, I'm supposed to help you do this. I'm coming over right now. Be prompt, be quick. How many of you want God to be quick in answering your prayers? Amen. Then you need to be quick to answer in his call in your life. When he asks you to do something, when he says, go, do, help this person. Say, tell this person about Jesus. Do this, do that. Be quick, man. Be quick to do it and go do it. The only time you wait is if God tells you, hey, I want you to do this, but it's going to be in a few days. Wait, wait on me. That's the only time you wait is when he says to wait. If he doesn't say to wait, you go do it and do it quick. Be on top of it. Be, be Johnny on the spot. Why? Because I want God to be Johnny on the spot in my life. So you just got to do it. You just got to be a doer of the word. You just got to start doing it. I think about Jonah in the well and how he tried to run from God. Listen, the ultimate expression is you can run, but you can't hide is Jonah in the well. He tried to run, but you can't hide. And here's the problem with it. When we're not quick to obey the word, it causes issues. So Jonah not only says he's not going to do it, he runs from God and says, I'm not only going to do it, I'm going the opposite direction of what you told me to go. And there's a storm hits this boat and starts to sink it. Who else is on the boat besides Jonah? All the other people. And if that boat sinks, guess who sinks with it? Everybody else. Our choices have consequences. And when we run from the things of God, some of you know what I'm talking about right now because some of you have paid the consequences of running from the things of God. You said, God, I know I'm supposed to do this, but you didn't do it, and you've not, I'm not going to church, I'm not going to read my word, I'm not going to obey, I'm going to go over here, and you've not only taken yourself, but you've hurt your families from doing that. I got good news for you. God's merciful. When Jonah asked for forgiveness, he forgave him and threw him up right on the place he's supposed to be. Guess where he took him? Where'd he take him, coach? He took him right where he was supposed to be. The last assignment he gave him, he took him right to that place. Why? Because God's not going to promote you to the next place till you do what he told you to today. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. I thank God he's a God of mercy. He'll, he'll turn you around and get you right back on track. Many people have lost relationships, marriages. They've lost relationships with their children. They've lost, they've lost jobs. They've lost blessings and opportunities because God told them to change their attitude. God told them to change this. God told them to do this, and you didn't do it. The good news is, if you'll ask him to forgive you, he will, but he's not going to change your assignment. So if he told you to change your attitude about certain things and you haven't done it yet and you ask him to forgive you, he's going to say, I forgive you now. Let's go right back to where you were. Let's change your attitude. The good news is he'll forgive you. And the other good news is you're going to get another chance to get it right. You get to take the test again. And if you get it right, then he'll promote you. If you get it right, he'll promote you. 
But we need to be doers of the word for heaven to move on earth. We have to be consistent doers of the word, and we can't be quitters. I said we can't be quitters. He says this, if you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror. Everybody say mirror. The word of God is our mirror. The word of God is our mirror. That's where you find your identity. That's who you see who you really are. I had a a guy tell a story the other day. He said, man, I was walking around and everybody was smiling at me. And I'm like, man, this is cool. Everybody's smiling at me. I must be looking good. And man, they, I must be doing good for people. And people are smiling at me. And everything looks great. He said, then I went and looked in the mirror. And he said, I had a big old huge stain on my shirt that I didn't know I had. Now I realize they weren't smiling at me. They were laughing at me. Because when you look in the mirror, that's when you really see. You know, guys, I tell you, there's... <laughs> I look in the mirror and I think, man, I've, I've shaved my beard right. My hair looks good. I, you know, and then I put my glasses on. And I go, oh, my gosh, I'm glad I didn't leave the house looking like that. And then I look and go, man, I'm a lot older looking with my, I need to take my glasses back off. I look better with them off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I look better with them off. And so, but the mirror reveals the truth. The mirror reveals the stains. Have you ever put something on, a piece of clothing on, and you went and looked in the mirror and go, oh, no, I got to take that off. That's that's not good. That's not good. How do you change that? That don't fit right. That don't look right. Look, listen, that's the mirror. The mirror is God's word. That's where we get our identity from, and that's where we really see the truth. And if you look in the mirror and God shows you the truth and then you walk away and don't act on it, that truth that you know, he said you're self-deceived. It's one thing to be have someone fool you and lie to you or deceive you. It's another thing for you to deceive yourself. And until you look in the mirror of God's word and begin to act on what he's showing you in that mirror, hey, let's remove this stain. Let's get rid of this. Let's get, let's get rid of that. Let's, hey, let's, let's do this instead of that. That'll look better. That'll go better. Until we look in the mirror, we'll never be right with God. We've got to be able to look in that mirror in whatever God shows us. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, people that really battle self-esteem, I always tell them, don't let other people's eyes be your mirror. Don't, don't let your eyes or other people's eyes, let God's word be your mirror. You know why? Because God, man, his, his, he tells you the truth. That's the only mirror that really shows you the truth is God's mirror. Even your own perceptions of how you look, how you are, who you are, are wrong. Only God's perception of who you are, how you are, and what you're called to be is right. That's where we get our identity. Is looking into the word of God. He's our mirror. And guess what? God always makes us look better. He, and I don't mean just physically. He makes us better than we could ever possibly be on our own. When we let his word be our mirror. Number one, get in agreement that God's word is true. 
Number two, begin to act on what you know and what you read. Do it and do it quickly. Number three, don't ever walk away from the mirror of God's word. It's the true reflection of who you are and what you're called to be. It's the most beautiful thing that you'll ever see is when you look in the mirror of God's word and let him show you your identity, the beauty of your life. The beauty of your life. This world's mirror, I'm telling you, Satan's mirror will always tell you you're less. God's mirror will always tell you you're more. And the one that says you're more is from God because he can make you more. I said he can make you more. Let's finish reading this. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear. Otherwise, they look at God's word and they see how he sets us free. He sees the the fascinating things we're called to do and to be. And we respond to that truth. We act on that truth. They hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Wow. Wow. When you let God's word be your mirror, and whatever he shows you, you act on, you do, man, he said you'll experience blessing in all that you do. I love God. I love him because he always wants to, he, he always starts good and ends good. He always does. There's a lot of stuff that happens in between, but if you'll start off with him and you'll stick with him in the in-between times, it'll all end good. It'll end good. Oh, pastor, I don't believe it. Well, that's okay. If you don't, that's on you. Then you'll live the results of what you do believe. But for those who do believe it and are willing to act on God's word, you're going to see the results of being blessed in all. He said blessed in all that you do. Doesn't mean it's going to be trouble-free, but you'll be blessed and you'll walk through it. You'll get through it. Amen? Listen, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, here at present in this auditorium or this sanctuary or in uh, online, if you're online with us, either one. God wants to save your life. And he said, if you'll be a doer of my word, I'll save your life. He said this, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord, I will save your life. We have to do something. He's already said, I love you. He's already came and he came and he died for our sins, mine and yours on the cross. He already did it. He already rose from the dead just like we sang. He's already done it. He is the king of heaven. And now he's offering us this gift, this gift of forgiveness of our sins. This gift of eternal life in a place called heaven. It's sad for me to think that because people who heard the word refused to to do it, refused to act on it. It's sad for me to think how many of those people, they won't make it into heaven. And we know you don't go to heaven, there's only one other place, and that's hell. And God created hell for, the, for Satan and his, his demons, not for us. But unfortunately, people choose Satan 
choose this world over God. They choose the little G-O-D of this world, which is Satan. He's the one that, that hovers over all the evil, the lying, the, the murder, the mayhem, the racism, all the junk that happens, all the evil. He's the one that's encouraging it. And people choose that. They choose it because they think they're smarter than God. Or they choose it out of pride. Never going to submit. They choose it out of some sense of false religion. They think if they can just be good enough, God will accept them. I have news for you. You'll never be good enough. That's why Jesus had to come and die. That's why he did it, because he loves us. He knew we could never be good enough. We could never be perfect, but he could. And he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And he did that because he loves you, he loves us, and he wants to rescue us. He wants to save us. He wants us to go to heaven. But it comes down to a choice. Just like whether you do the word or not, it comes down to a choice. Will you choose God in heaven? Or will you choose evil and Satan in hell? Will you choose liberty and freedom in this life from sin dominating your life? Doesn't mean you don't ever sin. It just doesn't dominate. doesn't control. You're not slave to it. God sets you free from that slavery here. Or do you want to be a slave to sin and be controlled and dominated by it? Do you want to live a life that even during trouble, God helps you get through it and overcome it? Man, I've said this. I've testified this. I don't have a perfect life. I have an overcoming life. Because of Jesus, he's the overcomer. He'll teach you to overcome. Do I want to live a life where I walk in his blessings and I get to share those? Or I walk in a curse and I get to share that? Gosh, you'd think the choice would be obvious. I hope it is to you today. If you've never prayed, really never prayed and said, Jesus, I submit my life to you. You are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I give you my life, freely give it to you. Teach me, show me, lead me. My life is no longer my own. If you're ready, you never prayed that and you want to pray that, then we want to pray with you right now. We're not going to put it off. Or maybe you've you've known God and He knows you and You've rebelled against him out of pain or hurt or trouble or just wanting to party, whatever it is. You've gone and you've left home. Listen, just come back. So whether it's your first time or your next time, this is the moment to pray. 
And if you're online and God's dealing with you right now to pray and get right with him, listen, what I want you to do is just send us a message and say, I'm praying for the first time or the next time and do it right now. Don't, don't put it off. Don't hesitate. You need to make a public statement. I'm getting right with God. And in this room, how you make a public statement in this room is on the count of three, you raise your hand and you say, I'm making a public statement. I'm getting right with God. And then right where you're uh, seated, we're going to pray. And online, we're going to pray with you right where you are. Whether it's you're watching live today or you're watching on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to pray with you. It's still real, and you still need to pray and get right with God. So go ahead and send us that message online. And in this room, one, two, three, just raise your hand and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God. Go. One, two, three. Come on. Lift your hands. There you go. There you go. I see those. Thank you. Thank you for all those hands. Thank you. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. It's incredible. Thank you. It's incredible. Let's pray right now. Let's pray with all these that raise their hand. Let's pray with these online with us. And let's mean it. Let's pray from our heart. Say this. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. And I believe you love us. You love people. And you sent Jesus to die for our sins. You raised him from the dead. He's alive. You did all of that to rescue us from our sin and the penalty of sin, eternal death. Thank you for doing that. And because I believe that, I ask you, God, to forgive me of all my sins. All the times I did things I shouldn't have. And I didn't do things that I should have. And I receive your forgiveness right now. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. I receive the Holy Spirit living inside of me right now. And I know by your word and your spirit, you will help me to not just be a hearer, but to be a doer of your word, to walk in your blessings until I see you in heaven, to serve you and honor you in this life, to bless my family and those around me with the life you've given me. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. So be it. Come on, let's thank God for how good he is. He's so good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.